You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on the sermon series entitled, Light, Experiencing Christ in the Psalms. King David experienced a lot of pain in his life. Now certainly some of that was by his own doing. He was an adulterer, he was a murderer, and that sometimes creates difficult consequences. Yes, but this time it wasn't his fault. This time he had been betrayed by close friends. This time he looked around and the men that he trusted were trying to kill him. And so he was in dire straits. And if we look ahead a few years to our Lord Jesus Christ, we see Jesus betrayed by those closest to him. By, by the men that he traveled with, and even by his own people, the Jews, and by his church. And so we, we say, why, Jesus, did you go through with the mission? He didn't stop because he had been betrayed. And I know that sometimes our betrayal stops us in our tracks. And that's why it's important for us to have a biblical view of what Jesus went through. And so my question is, how do you view Jesus? Is he a good luck charm? Is he someone you just take off the shelf when you need him? Is he a security blanket? Is he a key to the social club? Or is he really who he claims to be? The son of God, the suffering servant. And I would argue that how you see Jesus will determine how meaningful your life would be. A weak view of Jesus means that you will not bear fruit because you won't understand the power that's within you. You won't really understand the breath and amazing nature of salvation. But if you do understand all of that, then your life will have power and you can be a force to help build the kingdom of God. But here's the thing we're going to learn today. We're going to learn that Jesus was ridiculed, he was beaten, he was despised, and he was rejected. But even though he was betrayed, he did not and will not betray his own. And I want you to take hope in that today. And so let's open our Bibles, if you would, and we're going to go to the Psalms as we continue to see Jesus in the Psalms for Advent, and we're going to go to Psalm 41, beginning in verse 4, page 469. And you can also download this on your Ridgewood app, and that page 469 will be in that Bible you'll find in the seat rack in front of you. So Psalm 41, beginning in verse 4. Neil kicked off this short series Last week, he did a great job. We're seeing Jesus in the Psalms. And this is actually a psalm of thanksgiving because David understands where his help will come from. It's written about a thousand years before the earthly ministry of Jesus began. But through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is painted all over the psalm. And so we're going to see all kinds of allusions to Christ in these words today. They're particularly about David, 
that Jesus has seen through them. So in verse 4, leading up here, he's been praying and confessing his sin. David is frustrated that his enemies have taken his goodwill and they've turned against him. And now we see this hurt, this betrayal, because when people betray us, there's a deep pain that comes with that. And I think you'll hear that in the words of David. So beginning in verse 4. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words. While his heart gathers iniquity, when he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. And so in these deep words of brokenness, we see the pain of betrayal. And we see that Jesus went through the same kind of roller coaster ride when men turned against him, but he never forsook the mission. He embraced the cross of suffering, and that betrayal did not stop him. He never betrayed his own. Now, Jesus, or rather, David refers to a good friend here who had who had come against him, and and that man's name is Ahithophel. And Ahithophel was a very well-known Jewish kind of a guru of the time. He was seen as being very wise. He was seen as being someone you could go to and get good counsel, and that's exactly what David had done. He had brought Ahithophel into his inner circle, and we read about this in 2 Samuel 16 and 17. But when the rebellion started, Absalom, David's son, rose up against his father, and Ahithophel was part of that rebellion and likely even led that rebellion. And so this person that David had brought into his inner circle to get counsel from, likely to tell him everything about himself and his strategies, was now betraying him, and he felt that pain. But sadly... Ahithophel's efforts failed, and he hanged himself. And if you look at verse 9, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. And you may already be thinking this through. You may be thinking, well, wait a minute. That sounds a lot like Judas, who betrayed Christ and hanged himself. And you're exactly right, because what we see here are types, forecasts, the types paint a picture. And again, types are simply foreshadowers of the greater to come, which is called the anti-type. So here we have types. We have two betrayers, Ahithophel and Judas, and then we have those betrayed, David, and then the anti-type, the greater one, Jesus Christ, to come in the future. 
And David is experiencing the same pain, but Jesus would feel it tenfold. Because Jesus is the Son of God, he's the King of Kings, but yet he allowed this envoy of Satan to come into his inner circle and kiss him on the cheek and lead to his death, his crucifixion, and all of his suffering. And we see this painted for us in the Bible when we see John talking about this. And we see it very clearly in 13.2, that the evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So already this was in motion before they ever sat down for that evening meal. And Jesus knew it would be Judas. And so you look at this and you say to yourself, this isn't some theoretical distance. This are close personal friends. For David, it was his trusted advisor. For, G- for Jesus, it wasn't just Judas, but it was all of his disciples that ran for cover. For Jesus, it was the entire nation of Israel rejecting their true king. And it's his bride, the church, us, that continues to betray him. Because we are not a pure bride. But Jesus never forsakes the mission. And that's a beautiful hope that we have. And so what you have here for for David and then the anti-type Jesus is you have a picture of close-up betrayal. This is personal, it's intimate, it's painful. They weren't strangers. And if you go back to John 13, 18, you can see that he's talking here about Judas quoting this psalm, he who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. That's Psalm 41.9. How do we know this is about Judas? Because Jesus says so. And so you're a thousand years before Judas, and already the plot is underway, which makes the word of God so amazing. And though Jesus voluntarily allowed himself to be led to the slaughter, we can see the pain of men turning their backs on him. And so this is not only a picture of close-up betrayal, it's a picture of deep pain for David and for Jesus. David is lamenting here. And I think sometimes we think that the suffering of Christ is only physical, but it's not. It's emotional, too. Because you think of the relationships that he built. And, and sometimes we think, well, he's, he's the son of God. He wouldn't have felt all of that. But that's bad theology. Because proper theology is that Jesus is 100% divine, God, but he's also 100% human. So he would have felt all of this. And it would have hurt. He, he wept. Jesus had a sensitive spirit. Remember when he was at the grave of Lazarus, even before he rose from the dead, Jesus wept when he saw the pain around him. Jesus wept over Jerusalem when he realized that Jerusalem would reject him. There's a tremendous amount of emotional pain for Jesus, just as there is for David here. And Psalm 109 is a place where we see this clearly David was lamenting the fact that all of these people 
were destroying him. For wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. David couldn't understand this. He couldn't understand how these friends could turn against him. And we see this happening in such an obvious way. Because you just look at his life story. Here he is, a young boy, comes into the household of Saul. Saul's the king and he's mentoring David, but he ends up chasing David to kill him. David is running through the caves of Engedi trying to escape Saul. You've got his son Absalom rebelling against him. You have Ahithophel joining with Absalom. And all of this is happening to David, but it will also happen to Jesus Christ. So we must understand that what is happening here is to a Savior that was so committed to carrying out his Father's will that he never allowed this betrayal to get him stuck to the point where he couldn't carry the cross. And so if we move to the life of Christ, we see this betrayal happening in the form of being rejected by his own people. He's, he's before Pontius Pilate, the governor, and they're about to trade him in. And, and, and Pilate didn't understand why, because he saw no fault in him. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. But that wasn't even true, and Pilate saw that. There was no reason for them to turn him over, just like there was no reason here that they'd be chasing David. And I think to really understand the depth of betrayal of the Jews, you have to understand the relationship between Israel and Rome. And it was simmering. It was not a good relationship. The Romans were evil occupiers. This guy, Pontius Pilate, you know, we kind of romanticize him in some of the movies, like he's, you know, he's torn and he's feeling bad about things. His wife is having dreams. And, you know, this guy, was a, this guy was a murderer. This guy squashed Jewish rebellions through the blood of the, of the Jews. And the people hated him. That's why there's zealots still battling the Romans at the time of Jesus. And then you have Herod, this king, who's not really a king. He's a puppet of the Romans. He's a vassal king. And he was hated because they saw him as a traitor to the Romans. But yet here they are with a rabbi named Jesus Christ, and they're just going to turn him over. How would that have played in the heart of Christ? Here's the king of Israel who to this very moment and very day is the rightful king of Israel and has been rejected by his nation. That's betrayal. It's incredible pain that Jesus went through. And yet he persisted. Yet he never stopped. And the pain stung him. And... and the good news about this is that we, in our own betrayal, in our own pain, can turn to someone that understands what's happening inside of us. Because 
all of us at some level have faced betrayal. All of us know what that feels like inside. And for some, it's different. You know, this is the holiday season, and man, this is a happy time, right? We're, we're happy. We're happy about getting up at five in the morning and going to Walmart and fighting people for stuff. We're happy about that. People have used terms for me during the holidays that aren't kind. I've been called a curmudgeon. I don't think that's fair. I don't think it goes far enough. I would even think I've heard the Grinch before. But here's my problem with the holidays. It's not so much, I love spending time with Wendy and the kids, and I love all the decorations, all of the decorations, and all the decorations, and the more decorations. I love all that. But here's my issue, is sometimes I feel betrayed by God because there are people missing that should be there at my holidays. And so I struggle with betrayal. I, I go before God and I say, what, why are these people not here with me right now? And there's other types of betrayal. Some of you have had a spouse that's cheated. Some of you have had a business partner that's scammed you. Some of you have had friends gossip about you. Some of you have been shamed on social media. And some of you have had a church that's broken your heart. And it's difficult to rebound from that kind of betrayal because it's real. But because Jesus has been betrayed, because he knows what it feels like, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that we can go to Jesus and he will understand every part of our humanness. And so when we're at the holiday table and we look around and everybody else is having this joyous time and we're hurting or we're feeling this betrayal or whatever, we can just say to the Lord, I know you know what this feels like. Will you help me? And that's actually a wonderful hope that we have. Jesus will never betray his own. And so you have all this wonderful typology here. You've got David and then Jesus. You've got Ahithophel and then Judas. You've got this betrayal, this pain. But here's something I want to throw in that I think is really important. It's not exactly to the point, but I think it's worth discussing and mentioning because here's, when you look at Ahithophel and Judas, we see that the error of expediency produces dire consequences. And so I want to throw this warning out there. The, the end of both men came at their own hands. Psalm 49, 8, again, they say a deadly thing is poured out on him he will not rise again from where he lies. The betrayers both died by hanging. The Judas account is summarized in the book of Matthew. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And I love their compassion. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. Both Judas and Ahithophel thought they could take shortcuts and get something from this world. For Ahithophel, it was power. For Judas, it was money. And it ended up destroying both of them. If you think for a moment that you can take a shortcut around God and get something from this world, you're lying to yourself. 
If you're right now doing something that's not scriptural, that you know is wrong, that you know is outside of God's will, and you're trying to grab some life from this world, it's going to get you. Please repent and stop. We see it really clearly in the lives of these two men. They ended up hanging from a tree. It didn't work out for them. And so we see all of this betrayal. We see the consequences. But let's talk for a moment about how Jesus handled all this because he was amazing. And we go right back to the point that we started with this morning. Jesus would not betray his own. His character, his, his divinity, his eternality would not allow him to turn on us. He could have at any time during this betrayal said, I've had enough. I've had enough of you people. And even today, as he ministers to us as high priest, he could say, I've had enough of you. But he doesn't. Because he is full of grace and mercy. And he continues to forgive. And so let's talk about how Jesus handled this. And the first thing I notice here that's so obvious is that Jesus didn't seek revenge. He didn't try to defend himself. Neither did David. David was, was conscious of the fact that all this was happening, but he also knew the God that was with him. And we see this in Psalm 109. But you, O God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake, because your steadfast love is good. Deliver me. David didn't have to go looking for revenge because God would deliver him. He was, he was conscious of that. How many people do you know, and it may be you, that are walking around just wanting vengeance, wanting revenge, and it's eating you up inside? Let me just tell you, that's, that is no worseville. Don't do it. When Jesus was being betrayed, he stood silently. We see this in Isaiah 53. He didn't try to defend himself. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus didn't seek revenge. Revenge should be off the table for followers of Jesus Christ. That's his thing. He's a God of justice. He will decide what to do. Second thing is that Jesus fulfilled the mission. He knew how important the mission was. So what did he do? He carried the cross up the hill of death. Just as David was running, David was lamenting how people were coming after him, Jesus grabbed that cross and walked right into the fire. He knew what was waiting for him. And after he had prayed that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was finished and he understood this was the Father's will, he grabbed onto that cross. He clung to the cross. He sought the cross. And on that cross, he paid the penalty for all sin that would ever be committed. And through faith, we can have our sins forgiven. That's why we call it a sacrificial atoning death, because it makes us right with God, because our sins have already been paid for. And through faith in Christ, we can be forgiven forever. Jesus didn't betray the mission. He is amazing. You talk about courage. You talk about, you talk about focus. 
I've been enjoying just reading through the book of Luke. I'm going to start the book of John. We're going to actually study the book of John after the first of the year. I'm excited because we're going to learn Jesus together. We're going to see his amazing attitudes, his amazing courage. But Jesus never sought revenge. He fulfilled the mission. And so when we see this, then the question becomes, how do we handle this? How does all of this affect me? What, what do I do when I'm betrayed? How am I to behave? Well, let's talk about that. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge you with three questions. Okay? The first one is this. Have you forgiven those who have betrayed you? Simple question. Have you forgiven those who have betrayed you? This is really an important question. Because if we're followers of Christ, if we say we're followers of Jesus, then we have no right to withhold forgiveness over anyone else because we have been forgiven. And if we think for a moment that we have been forgiven for something less than another person, then we have no concept of the gospel. Because the gospel is centered on the idea that we have inherited sin. We are born separated from God. It doesn't matter about the measure of the sin. We are separated. And so whether it's lying or murder, the consequences are different temporally, but sin is sin, and we are separated from God. And it's important for us to understand that. And so we can't hold that over someone else. So have you forgiven those who have betrayed you? If you haven't, the only person you're hurting is yourself. Because that bitterness will eat you alive. Jesus commanded that we forgive. Luke 17, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. That's not optional. And some people will come to me and they say like, well, what do I do? This person's never asked for forgiveness. Should I forgive? Like, what are you talking about? Of course. Because why would you carry that around with you? Now, forgiveness is a process. So I'm not saying if there's a person that's really hurt you that you just go like, yeah, done. No. But what I'm saying is that you're moving toward relinquishing. You're moving toward forgiveness. So have you done that? Second question. Have you moved forward or are you stuck because betrayal can get you totally trapped in bitterness it can get you trapped in focusing just on that one event or that one person so have you been able to move forward satan loves to take god's people and just ground them in the muck and mire of unforgiveness and so I would just encourage you to do this. If, you, if, you, if you've done what I said before, if you, I, yeah, I have forgiven, but I just can't, I just can't get past this, then I would say a couple of things. First of all, there's nothing wrong with counseling. Get counseling. It'll help you. Secondly, I would say this. Get friends to pray for you. Open up about it. And then I would say that you can start praying for that person because when you pray for that person, your heart has a really hard time staying bitter. 
That's why Wendy and I pray every day for Jesse, the, the, the man that's in, in prison for, for shooting our son. We pray for his salvation. And I, and I do that for two reasons. Number one, I really want him to find Christ. I want him to, to someday walk into heaven wearing the robe of righteousness. But I also know that if I don't pray for him, that my heart will get bitter toward him. So don't get stuck, because then your life will not reap a reward. And then third question is this. Have you, do you owe anyone an apology for betraying them? Sometimes we think it's all about other people. Oh, that's their fault. They did that. You know, I can't do this because of them, or I can't. No. What about you? What about me? What have we done that we need to go to someone and say, you know what? I messed up. I'm really sorry for that. I'm really sorry I hurt you. Maybe you've, you've, you, didn't make, you didn't keep a commitment. Maybe you lied to someone. Maybe you said something hurtful at the moment you didn't even realize it was hurtful, but now you go like, wow, that, input, that must have been brutal. Well, then go back and say you're sorry. There's nothing that makes a bigger impact on people, especially non-believers, is when you just go say you're sorry, because no one does that in the world. You know? I remember um, when I was doing radio and television, like the biggest witness I had at scene, because I'm, you know, such a dope sometimes, is I kept saying sorry to people all the time. And they kept going like, what? And then what really got them was, will you forgive me? What? Well, yeah, okay, let's go get a cup of coffee. What, what was impacting them wasn't that I sinned, because they don't expect perfection, but that saying, I'm sorry, got them. And so the question is, have you done that? Here's the thing about Jesus. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus that we see in this psalm. You have David who's going through all of this struggle, but over the top of that is Christ. And Jesus was being hopelessly betrayed, just brutal treatment, but he kept focused on the cross. Salvation, glorifying his Father. Never betrayed his own. And so, the question we have to ask ourselves is, how do we see Jesus? Do we really believe this? And if we do, how is our life going to change? Because if you don't believe this, then your Christian life is going to be dead in the water. But if you do believe it, then you can have more power than I think you even thought. So why don't we take a moment and just bow your head and pray silently. Number one, ask Jesus if there's someone that you need to forgive. Number two, ask if there's someone that you need to go to and ask for forgiveness from. And then even more importantly, for those of you that don't know Jesus and have never put together that you can have forgiveness by simply believing in Jesus and asking for him to come into your life and to be in control of your life. You can do that now too. So why don't you just bow your head in silence and just let God speak to you and then I'll close in prayer. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.